Hello everybody, this is We Are Marvel, a Marvel Cinematic Universe fan podcast that covers all the corners of the MCU. My name is Jerry. And my name is Justin. And join us as we delve deep into the MCU from Iron Man to Endgame and beyond. Join us wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you there. Bye. Bye. Welcome everyone to Pod and Gore, your one-stop shop for everything horror. Now here's your host, Justin and Brandon. Take it away, boys. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pod and Gore. I am your host, Brandon. I am your other host, Justin. And boy, do we have sights to show you today. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, we did it. How you doing there, you sassy bitch? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing all right. All right. We're off to a good start. I like nice, it. Nice, nice. High three energy. Day. <laughs> yes. yeah, it's because I didn't take a nap. Um, <laughs> this is a nice three-day weekend, though. It's busy. So not. I drove back from Moses Lake today. I mowed the front and back. I bet you did. did um, huh? So I bet you did. <laughs> oh, hi. <laughs> um, I weed whacked the shit out of. Uh, the yard? I don't know. I kind of brain farted. On the yard? Maybe you should take your nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I w- um, so, for those of you that are listening, we are also live streaming these on Twitch. So, yeah. if you're interested in hanging out while we do that, um, you can find us next time. Twitch.tv slash B underscore Diddy. It makes no sense, but it's my personal Twitch. Um nice. Your face is throwing me off. I am not a fan of this attitude that you got going on over there right now. And you announced it on platforms, yeah? Huh? Hmm? You announced it on different platforms that we were going live, yeah? Uh, Yeah, mostly Discord. Oh. I probably should put it on Facebook now that I think I about would. it. Um, yeah. yeah, if, uh, you know, keep an eye on the social medias, that'll give you a good enough reason to, to join up onto the Facebook page and all that jazz so that if we do this, when we do this, in the future, Brandon right. will shoot out a message with the time, probably within about an hour of uh, when it's going to happen, give yeah. or take. Uh, still working out out the kinks. It's um, yeah, yeah. It's this like is I've our never... first on purpose trial run. Yeah, so. it is the first one. Last time was on accident, but it it ended up working out all right. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. Like I've. I've been streaming for over three years now. I've been podcasting with you for a few years now. And like right now I'm all flustered. Like I've never done this before. I don't. (laughs) You got the the live show butterflies. I don't, but I do, I guess. But, um, yeah. 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 I know I was, I was gonna, I was typing out uh, where we're at, but yeah. So the reason why we are here today Mm-hmm. is to discuss Hellraiser. Finally. Finally. You... I finally made Brandon watch it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's Finally. It, it's been the, like the meme of the show for the longest time. Uh, Justin's like, I, I don't want to watch Hellraiser. Uh, I don't want to watch Hellraiser. Uh, and then people are like, oh, you should do Hellraiser. Uh, and this is actually kind of a listener request because D from work was like, you guys should do Hellraiser because he's a big Clive Barker fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're so, doing it. Okay. Yeah, we're doing it. And what did you think about it actually? 
I actually liked it, actually. Um, <laughs> totally. Like, apparently, I thought it was all right, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, rem- I watched this for the first time a long, long time ago. And I remember thinking it was just painfully boring, which is why I was so reluctant to watch it again, because I had such negative uh, memories. Right. It's kind of like Leprechaun. All I really remember of that movie (laughs) is him on the wheelchair scurrying down the the hallway. And every time I think of that, I think, I don't ever want to watch that again with my eyes. Oh, Uh, man. (laughs) I guess that makes sense. Like, I don't, I actually, I actually like the Leprechaun movies. I think. Yeah, you would. (laughs) I bought like all seventeen of the movies or whatever, however many there are, mm-hmm. um, on Voodoo. Voodoo for like twelve dollars. Yeah, twelve dollars. I'm putting my phone down now. Uh, twelve. I would. It was like twelve dollars. Yeah, I would and I did. <laughs> you asshole. Um, but yeah, it, they're not that bad. Like the it's it's kind of like I feel like with Leprechaun and a lot of these you know, horror franchises, um, the entry in is always a solid go. Like the first ones are always pretty decent. Sometimes they'll be really good going forward. Sometimes you'll be like, eh, okay, we have Leprechaun back to the hood. You know what I mean? Like, or in space or that other thing he did. Yeah. And so like, I honestly, they're not all that bad. They're creative in the ways that they kill people. You know, similar to Wishmaster, which is one that we haven't done yet, but we should. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Leprechaun's not that bad. And honestly, Hellraiser, it's not my favorite, um, but it's it's classic. Like when, like Pinhead, Priest, Hell Priest, whatever you want to call him, he. I think in this, he's just called the lead Cenobite. Yeah, he is called the lead Cenobite, and I have that in my notes, but he, Clyde Barker, and I have this in my notes also, Clyde Barker hated, just hated the nickname Pinhead. I could see Uh, that. Yeah, he's like, (laughs) I have a word for it in here somewhere, but he, yeah, he's just not happy with, with the, um, with the nickname. He's like, it's, uh, I don't think it was degrading, but it was D something, and, um, yeah, he just was not stoked about it at all. And, um, oops. I um, could see that. I mean, and I will say to kind of finish my thought that lingered off there, I actually, I really enjoyed it this time. It's not my new favorite movie by any means, but, uh, I definitely understood it more mm-hmm. and enjoyed it more. And the Cenobites were super cool. The spider person thing was pretty bad but oh wait till you get into the the sequels where the like hanging by the head thing becomes like a common like just odd like what okay (laughs) they're bringing it back yeah why because i said so because you're gonna fucking do it that's why yeah like you can actually see the legs under it if you look Mm -hmm. close that gets rough it's just really weird the head's on the bottom, the tail's on the top. No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, we had but a it's question. Cool. We had a question in chat asking, "What's the best Hellraiser film?" Um, honestly, From what I've heard, the first one. Yeah, the first one. The second one's not bad. Yeah. The second one's not bad. They, um, I believe, this is there's nine. Hmm. Nine or ten. I thought I had a collection of them, and apparently, I only have the first one. So um, if we end up doing more of these, I'll need to 
buy more. Yeah, I bought. I didn't own. I didn't own it, and so I ended up buying one and two. I think for ten bucks on Voodoo, because okay. um, yeah, Hellraiser two is not bad. And I um, when we get into it at some point in the future, um, I saw something that I didn't know that was uh, I guess it was supposed to originally be that Julie or Julia was going to become the queen of hell in hmm. the sequel or some something along those lines, which would have been a totally different movie. But yeah. they're still making them. The last one, I think, was called Judgment. Excuse me. And that was on Netflix. Hmm. And that one was definitely more gearing towards the Cenobites being necessary in the heaven-hell scheme of things. Sure. Um, with this universe, I, it's so vast and there's so many different things that they could do with it that I really kind of would like to know more. Like it was mm -hmm. supposed to be, like, I read something that uh, Clive Barker was going to reveal what um, Pinhead's real name was in an upcoming thing at some point. Hmm. Uh, I know they're making comic books. I believe that it's supposed to come back in a, a, a series form, like on TV. Really? Um, there's several books. Like you got the Scarlet Gospels. Um, this, you know, Hellraiser based on um, the Hellbound Heart, um, which I actually have the book and I read half of it, even though it's like 130 pages. Um, yeah, there's a lot that you could do or expand upon with these movies and you would, I don't think you'd really know from watching them. I don't know. See, and that's one of the things that kind of intrigued me watching it yesterday was, and I've also been listening to a podcast over the week cause I knew we were doing this. I kind of wanted to get an interesting perspective on it, maybe change right. my view going in. So I wasn't, you know, too grumpy ass thinking about watching the movie. And there's definitely potential there. It's one of those mm -hmm. things where it's, almost ahead of its time and that if it, it came out now with the sensibilities of a franchise now yeah where you do plan ahead and you do think about what this could mean in the future it has potential yeah i agree like, completely i i would almost like to see a reboot with this streamlined done a little bit better mm -hmm. knowing well, that, you know all there is to know about the, the universe and then yeah. going forward well, and that was the thing, too, is because they... I don't know if they tried to reboot it because it's it's similar in the aspect, but not as heavy-handed on it. So, like, when you think of Freddy Krueger, obviously it's Robert England. Yeah. They've tried... They think they've used two other... I think Doug Bradley has been pinhead in, in eight out of the ten movies. Yeah, I think, I think that's what, what I heard. And so, the most recent one, because it's like... It's noticeable when it's not, um, when it's not Doug Bradley, oh. and that's the one thing um, that'd be hard for me to kind of get over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's it, you know someone playing Candyman that's not Tony Todd. It's someone playing Jigsaw that's not Tobin Bell. Like, especially when you've done that many movies. Yes. I mean, Candyman only had what like three or four, but you Candyman look at had a, three, yeah. You look at a, an England or a Bell where they've, you know, they're talking about Saw 10 right now. Right. Even though Spiral's not even out yet. Like, I know. Wasn't Spiral supposed to be out too by now already? 
a lot of things were. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was trying to find you a picture because there was um, the most recent one. Like I said, it was called Judgment, but um, here you go. So it wasn't as bad as this. Oh, you're over here. Sorry, this one right here. Yeah, and then that's the more recent one right there, and I don't believe that's Doug Bradley, but it's better than... Yeah. So I remember seeing memes being like, you know, this is uh, Hmm. like great value, Pinhead. Like, (laughs) it's not not good. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. Um, So... To get into the thing, Hellraiser is a 1987 British supernatural horror film written and directed by Clive Barker and produced by Christopher Figg, based on Clive Barker's 1986 novella, The Hellbound Heart. Um, The film marks Clive Barker's directorial debut. Um, Its plot involves a mystical puzzle box uh, which summons the Cenobites, a group of extra-dimensional sadomasochistic beings, who cannot differentiate between pain and pleasure. The leader of the Cenobites is portrayed by Doug Bradley and is identified in the sequels as Pinhead. So Hellraiser was filmed in in, uh, late 1986. Barker originally wanted the electronic music group Coil to perform the music for the film, but on... on, Sorry. On the insistence from the producers, the film was rescored by Christopher Young, some of Coyle's themes were reworked by Young into the final score. Hellraiser had its first public showing at the Prince Charles Cinema on September 10th, 1987. Hmm. And since its release, the film has divided critics but generally received praise. Initial re- uh, reviews ranged from Melody Maker calling it the greatest horror film made in Britain to Roger Ebert uh, decrying its bankruptcy of imagination. Go figure. Sure. Um, it was followed by nine sequels. The first of uh, seven or the first seven of which featured uh, Bradley reprising the role. Um, so the cast includes Claire Higgins as Julie, Julia Cotton, Ashley Lawrence as Christy as Kirsty Cotton, Andrew Robinson as Larry, Sean Chapman as uh, Frank, and then you had um, Doug Bradley as the lead Cenobite. Um, what is it? Nicholas Vance as the chattering Cenobite. Sam Bamford as Butterball, which I didn't realize he was called that until today. Hmm. Um, Grace Kirby as the female Cenobite, and then Oliver Oliver Smith played Skinless Frank or Frank the Monster, as he was dubbed. Hmm. Um, and so the Cenobites being the extra-dimensional beings who appear in the novella The Hellbound Heart, the sequels, uh, The Scarlet Gospels and Hellraiser The Toll and the Ten Hellraiser films, they are from a religious sect in hell known as the Order of the Gash, describing themselves as explorers in the further regions of experience. It's kind of a pretentious way to describe your group. Yeah, that's, <laughs> like, that's gosh. Uh, they seem a little uptight, albeit, you know, free will and torture. Right, right. Um, <laughs> so, da-da-da-da-da. And granting sadomasochistic pleasures to those who call upon them, Author David McWilliam notes that the Cenobites are described in more explicitly sexual terms in the book compared to with their uh, depictions in film. Julia, played by Claire Higgins, was Barker's choice to carry the series as its main antagonist after Hellbound. 
um, reducing the Cenobites to a background role. However, Fran, uh, fans rallied around Pinhead as the breakout character, and Higgins de uh, declined to return to the series. The Ashgate Encyclopedia of Literary and Cinematic Monsters, David McWilliams writes that the Cenobites provide continuity across the series as the stories become increasingly standalone in nature. Um, and so that was the one thing too, and I, this is the, the thing about, you know, researching and copying and pasting notes and not having time to like really deep dive and really read into it. And mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff I'll be saying will kind of go off of memory um, of stuff that I've heard in other spots. So I do want to say, I remember something about them talking about, um, Pinhead, I believe in the books comes off more androgynous in appearance. Like he, you know, neither male nor female. Mm. Um, and then it was, I heard something also rumored that he was like an Aztec God. Hmm. That was, um, I hope I have those in my notes, but, um, yeah, just time lots of time will tell lots of stuff pops up and you always hear like, there's always rumblings and, um, I think something had something to do with the comic books, but True. so uh, <clears throat> having been dismayed at prior cinematic adaptations of his work, Barker decided to attempt to direct the film himself. Christopher Figg agreed to produce and New World Pictures agreed to fund the film for $900,000. Get inside. God, I told her. <laughs> I was like, do not come out here. She's like, Dad, I just want to tell you something. What? I just wanted to give you a hug. I'm like, as much as I want to give you a hug, honey, I'm busy. Um, That's sweet. Yeah, I, I love my <laughs> daughter. Um, Hellraiser was filmed at the end of 1986 and was set to be made in seven weeks but was extended over a nine to 10 week period by new world. The film was originally made under the working title of sadomasticus from beyond the grave. It's a bit Bar wordy. Yeah. Yeah. Wait till you hear what there's, I got something else in my notes. That was, uh, he, what was it? Um, Barker didn't like Hellraiser, the name Hellraiser, mm -hmm. or it was some, he didn't like something about one of the, what one of the names would be. And then he asked somebody on the set what they thought it should be. And this old woman said her suggestion. And when I get to it, I'll, I'll share it. Um, so <clears throat> Barker also wanted to call the film Hellbound, but producer Christopher Fig suggested Hellraiser instead. Barker spoke fondly in the Hellraiser Chronicles about the filming, stating that his memories of production were unalloyed uh, of unalloyed fondness the cast treated my ineptitudes kindly and the crew were no less forgiving um barker admitted his own lack of knowledge on filmmaking stating that he didn't know the difference between a 10 millimeter lens and a 35 millimeter lens if you'd shown me a plate of spaghetti and said that was a lens i might have believed you after filming new world convinced barker to relocate the story to the united states which required overdubbing to remove some british accents Hmm. Um, during production, Doug Bradley had trouble hitting his marks during his um, takes and makeup as he could not see through his black contact lenses and was afraid of tripping over bin, uh, pinhead skirts. Um, the special effects of the unnamed creature known as the engineer in the novels proved difficult as the creature was difficult to maneuver. 
Um, other issues included a rush shoot of the Chinese restaurant scenes where Kirstie and Larry, due to the lateness of the person responsible for letting the cast and crew into the establishment, numerous, um, numerous multiples of Le Marchand's box, um, constructed from wood and cut out brass were produced by special effects designer and maker Simon Sace. Um, due to the box's delicate construction, Sace would lie on the floor under the centibytes during some takes, um, in case it was dropped, yeah. uh, in order to save himself, uh, the eight hours it took to create another one whole. Jeez. I, mean, I mean, they are looks, pretty elaborate. It does look intricate as shit. Like I, especially if that is an actual working like puzzle and it actually you know lifts up and turns and shit. i know that like, some of them do because like depending on what the box is doing i know that like it you can see that it's the one that pops up and then spins and then goes down like there's mm-hmm. that box and then there's the box towards the end where it's cut you know where it goes up and down sideways where she was using it to like you know get rid of them i don't know what yeah. that was I don't think there's a term for what she was doing, but when she was getting rid of the Cenobite, she was like, like that was a different box. Them. Yeah, there you go. I couldn't think of the word. And useful for something other than sass. Um, so the film had two editors, Richard Martin and an uncredited Tony Randall. Can you imagine just working on a movie and then being the uncredited producer? Just like, like I worked on that, yeah. Yeah, sure you did, bud. (laughs) Yeah. Out of here. Good story. (laughs) Um, Clive Barker had to make some cuts on the film. Surprise. Uh, After the MPAA uh, gave it an X rating. Following scenes were cut for rating. Okay. Two and a half shots were uh, excised Hmm. (laughs) from the first hammer murder, including a close-up of the hammer lodged in the victim's head. Sick. Um... (laughs) I yeah. sway it. Yeah. Fuck yes. Um, in the scene where Julia murders another man, the actor playing the victim felt that it made sense for him to do so naked. The nude oh, murder scene good. was shot, but ultimately replaced by a semi-clothed version. Uh, um, close-ups of uh, Kirstie sticking her hands into Frank's stomach, exposing his guts. Longer version of the scene where Frank is being torn into pieces by the Cenobite's hooks. Final sh- and then final shot where his head explodes and his brains messily splashes out were also cut. Damn Which it. I think is for the best because I the effects of the time, just that, it, one, it was kind of cool that you just start to see him explode and then they cut away. Yeah. Because it leaves it to your imagination. But also... It was the late 80s. There's no way that would look good. (laughs) Like, it would be a novelty now, and it would be that, aside from the monster spider thing, would almost be a joke. Well, that, and when you think about, um, shit, the way that it looked when, like, the hooks would go into the skin, like... Mm -hmm. Some of those looked an awful lot like Silly Putty. It really did. And there, there's a re- like, I'm sorry that I didn't send you my notes. I had a real hard time taking notes for this movie because, like, it's basically. There's not In a whole lot. Go- yeah, there's not a whole lot going on. Um, to it could where- be a quick one. That wouldn't hurt my feelings. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, we don't have to. We're not. I'm not going to drag it out for the sake of dragging it out. Hmm. Um, let's see here. 
So in an interview for Sewing Magazine in 1987, Barker mentioned some problems that censors had with more erotic scenes in the film. Yeah, the I do... The stories in were a much more sexually explicit in nature, which obviously they couldn't put it into yeah. um, film as much without, you know, getting obviously an X butchered. rating. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's I mean, even given how stringent the edits and the the mpaa was it's pretty brutal i mean the scene at the beginning where his face is in like three or four pieces on the floor mm-hmm. and yeah like some of the brutality in this is pretty gross yeah even I agree. for my standards it was like Ugh. like there were some scenes around okay yeah. you're doing that now <laughs> okay okay and it's to um, be expected for i mean it's hellraiser for crying out loud you sh- well, it should be that but it should be gross and the thing that like like I was watching this movie the other, uh, the other night, and my wife walks out. She's like, well, "What are you watching?" I'm like Hellraiser. She's like, gross. "Sesame Street." Why? <laughs> she's like, uh, "She's like, what are you watching?" I'm like Hellraiser. She's like, "Gross." And then turns around and walks out. Like it's not so much, especially with this movie. It's not so much the gore that gets me. Mm-hmm. It's again the sound effects. Yeah. Just all the drippy, goopy. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not, yeah, yeah, where it's like, God, is everything that slimy? Like, yeah, I does think it, it have would to be, be in uh, the Hellraiser verse? <laughs> yeah, the Hellraiser verse, there's a lot of goop and fucking gross, viscous <laughs> materials just mm. <laughs> slopping all over the place. Um, uh, it said, Well, we did have a slight problem with the eroticism. I shot a much hotter flashback sequence than they would allow us to cut in. Sure. Mine was more explicit and less violent. They wanted to substitute one kind of undertow for another. I had a much more explicit sexual encounter between Frank and Julia, but they said, No, uh, let's take out the sodomy and put in the flick knife. <laughs> I don't know which is worse. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> like, okay, so let's take out the sodomy. Like, how do you – you can't really see the action taking place in a movie. So how do you know if it's sodomy or not? Like, you can assume. Yeah. But, like, yeah, okay. Um Barker also said that on the commentary for the film that the seduction scene between Julie and Frank was initially a lot more explicit. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. Uh, we I'm did a version. Theme. <laughs> yeah, we did a version of the scene which had some spanking in it, and the sure. MPAA was not very appreciative of that. Lord knows where the spanking footage is. Somebody has it somewhere. The MPAA told me <laughs> on I was a allowed loop on a projector in their living room. <laughs> The MPAA told me I was allowed two consecutive buttocks thrusts from Frank, but three is deemed obscene. Fair. Meanwhile, (laughs) we have a guy's face on the floor, bloodied and mangled, if you want to see that. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, Oh, my goodness. So, the soundtrack, scored by uh, Christopher Young, was... The score was released in 1987. All music stated that the score... um, proved that Christopher Young hadn't used up all of his ideas for the horror genre and that Young had matched Barker's stylish look with a gothic score that mixed in some exciting synthesizer effects. 
um, Christopher Young had previously worked, um, had previously composed scores for other horror films such as uh, Nightmare on Elm Street in 85, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, and the 1986 Toby Hooper film Invaders from Mars. Mm. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but see, it's like with the name Christopher Young, that's such a composer name. Sure. You know what I mean? Like a Hans Zimmer or a fucking... Danny Elfman? Elfman, yeah. It's like you just hear the name, you're like, wow, they sound like they are like they were destined. John Williams. Yeah, John Williams. <laughs> you know, destined to be a composer. That's the one I was trying to think of, Williams, and I was brain farting, surprise. Um, so, Hellraiser had its first public showing um, in 1987 at the Prince Charles Cinema. The film was released in the United States on September 8th. 1987 and it, um, it grossed 14564000 in the US and Canada and Thousand? it made huh? Thousand not million? 14564000 Oh I must I must have it's, okay. you're, you're forgiven um, and the UK made 763000 pounds whatever that is yeah, I don't know what the what the conversion rate on that is, but especially um, back in the late eighties, right? Well, and that was the thing too is that like the movie made money, like it made hmm. about a million dollars to make, and you know, fifteen times profit on that's not horrible. Enough for nine sequels. <laughs> well, well, not you know, too bad. <laughs> like, if you end up watching Hellraiser two before we cover it, because obviously, like, let's be real, it's not going to happen for a while. Yeah, we don't uh, do a lot of sequels. We haven't like well. That's We've done I mean, like that's, two. Yeah, well, I mean that's the dr- that's the that's the drill though. We don't really cover the sequel until you know we dredge the the originals. Sure. And which you know is fine, but yeah. you'll have to let me know if you end up watching it. Um, Hellraiser was initially banned in Ontario by the Ontario Film and Video Review Board by a. Three-two majority vote. The film was deemed not appropriate in its entirety as it contravenes community standards it was banned because of the brutal graphic violence with bloodletting throughout horror throughout horror degradation and torture Hmm. in august of 1987 hellraiser was passed by the ontario film review board but only after several cuts were made to the film new world mutual pictures of canada cut about 40 seconds of the film to get it passed with an r rating 35 seconds of an extended torture scene featuring hooks pulling apart a body and face were removed as well as a scene of squirming rats nailed to the wall so we must have got those and Canada yeah. did not because I remember see, I remember the, the rats being nailed to the wall I don't remember that but I remember all the other things it was towards the end um, I want to say I think it's when Kirsty first looks inside that attic afterwards because mm. I, I mean there's the one that he skins when he's standing at the end of the bed which was gross enough Right, was, yeah, like, oh man, that was the thing about these notes I took. It was more like I found myself the way I was taking them. I'm like, okay, this is how we used to take notes. That's not how I'm doing it. <laughs> and then I'm like, but if I don't do this, I don't have anything to write down because there's not really, I can't, I'm not finding, you know, beats or bullet points or things. I'm like, oh man, this is, we'll talk about this because mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot kinda, of slow. And what's it? This movie made me think about what it was like back in our day going to the video store and seeing these covers and seeing Pinhead with the box and how... It was so fucking cool looking. 
Yeah, and I think that's what ended up letting me down when I first saw it because I was I grew up on the Michaels and the Jasons, not so much the Freddies that came later, but right. I I rented or watched Hellraiser with a Michael or a Jason in mind because he was, you know, number four or five in that upper echelon of 80s horror icons. Yeah. And I saw it when I was a kid and I went, this is nothing like that. Pinhead's in this for five minutes total, maybe ten. And it was just, I was so dismayed as a kid kid well, being yeah. like a mid-teenager but. yeah but you're like that's like i want to watch this movie for that yeah you know like it there's a lot of less is more in this movie with that except for mm-hmm. when it comes to <laughs> all the shit that clyde barker's into you know what i mean like yeah um so i'm not gonna read my critical response notes because that generally okay. it's just the same shit Um, in, in North America, Hellraiser was released by Anchor Bay Entertainment three times, all of which are the original 93 minute version of the film. This is the only version to ever be released on DVD. The original DVD release was a bare bones release and is now out of print. It was reissued in 2000 with a new 5.1 mix mastered in THX. Finally, it was packaged along with Hellbound, uh, Hellraiser 2, Yeah, Hellraiser 2 is actually called Hellbound, um, Hellraiser 2, in a limited edition 10 case, which featured a 48-page color booklet, fuck yeah, and a reproduction theatrical poster for uh, for both films. That'd be so cool. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just have the 20th anniversary DVD Uh, set. I don't think I actually own those ones uh, physically. It's possible, but I don't, I doubt it. Um... Anchor Bay released the film on Blu-ray in 2009. The version retains all of the special features found on the 20th anniversary special edition DVD, which Mm -hmm. Justin here said he has. Um, In 2011, the film was re-released on Blu-ray by Image Entertainment under the Midnight Madness series label. Um, the version contains no special features. However, various Blu-ray releases have since emerged with a higher, uh, variability, higher, highly variable selection of special features. Although most of these are recycled from, uh, previous DVD releases. Sorry, that was hard to read. Um, on October, (laughs) on October 5th, uh, 25th, 2015, Arrow Films released the film on Blu-ray in the UK along with Hellbound, Hellraiser 2, and Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth in a Scarlet Box edition featuring <laughs> new 2K restorations and an extensive list of bonus features. Isn't it exciting? <laughs> I, you know, and like I said, this this universe is so interesting to me now that like. I, I almost would like to watch some special features on this to get a bit of background mm-hmm. and to kind of peek behind the curtain a bit and see what else there is. Because I know I'd almost assure that none of the sequels would live up to what I could imagine them being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I said that the possibilities on this for doing a solid reboot, like get a Jordan Peele behind it and let it yeah. Play. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't mind. Or I would Blumhouse. be curious. Yeah, I could see Blumhouse doing it. Um, 
that was the thing though like later sequels like it was always gory like yeah. and always like i remember and this will always stand out to me um one of the scenes showed oh my god it's been so long it's like a cent it might have been a centibite but it also might have been like it was a female (laughs) it was a female but like she was standing behind the main character the police officer um and she was like rubbing his chest but then like she was like rubbing underneath his skin and so Mm. like rubbing on like the rib cage and the muscles and all that and i'm like oh ah (laughs) god he's just like I'm like, ow, no, uh, ow. (laughs) Um, yeah, no, thanks. It hurts and I don't like it. (laughs) Uh, extensive list of bonus features for those that don't know. Justin is a special features whore. Sometimes, sometimes. I mean, it, it it really gets me with comic book movies because it, you know, there's so much more behind the scenes on those though. And it's just cool to see the the genesis of it and knowing the books as I do. It's like, oh, they pulled this from this and that mm-hmm. and that. With these, it's interesting because the ideas, by and large, are original. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, okay, you came up with this, Wes Craven, because you saw a guy outside your window as a kid who had a yeah. you know, red and green sweater and creeped you out. You know? Yep. It it is interesting to see the genesis of that kind of thought process. Yeah, I agree. Um, I used like I don't really watch special features as much as I used to, but that was my favorite thing. Whenever I'd buy a new movie, I, I would watch everything that came on that disc. Mm-hmm. Um, so, bah, 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 bah. um, I lost my place here. An extensive list, extensive list of bonus features, including feature-length documentaries on the first two films and a bonus disc containing additional content, such as two short films by Clive Barker. The hmm. Scarlet Box is now out of print in the UK and replaced by a three-film edition of, of the set without the bonus disc. Boo. Lame. Um, I will say, this is not our first Clive Barker. No. Um, Episode 3, Midnight Meat Train. Yep. My pick. Yep. Great film if you haven't watched it. Yeah, if you haven't watched it, definitely go watch it. Um, it's our highest viewed YouTube video True. by leaps and bounds for uh, unknown reason. Because I still don't get. <laughs> yeah, it's literally it is a great like, movie, but I don't get it. We're transitioning. This is the last episode of season two. Felt good, didn't it? No, it didn't. Oh, it, my brain's having a hard time computing <laughs> season two without an ending of season one, but. Uh, we are going to start doing things differently. We're going to start recording these, putting them up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, we In the very beginning, we were, I was taking audio rips and uploading them on YouTube just to do it. And like yeah. episodes would have like a couple hundred view, uh, view count. And Meat Train is like in the thousands. Yeah. And I don't know why. I really don't. Um, there are Clive Barker aficionados. I mean, I'm sure it'd be interesting to see what this one does. Yeah, it would be nice to see. Um, yeah, Meat Train's up there in the listens count. Nothing's touching Amityville Horror. That that's our that's our anchor uh, version of Meat Train. Just <laughs> running away with the listens, and I'll take it all day. Especially because uh, it's another one of mine. Yeah. <laughs> you pretentious <laughs> prick. Um. <laughs> uh, a U.S. version of the Scarlet Box with the same material was released. 
by Arrow uh, on December 20th, 2016. In celebration of the 30th anniversary of the film, Clyde Barker has adapted his early Hell Priest concept designs for the lead Cenobite into an officially licensed mask for composite effects. Only a limited quantity of 30 of these masks were made and then released to the public on oh, March 24, 2017. As part of the anniversary, Hellraiser was re-released via Blu-ray in a Steelbook edition. Um, in addition, it additionally received a theatrical screening at the Prince Charles Cinema, where it made its world premiere in '87. A remixed and remastered version of Christopher Young's score will also be made available, debuting the anniversary screening. Hmm. Fun, 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 fun. Um, now time for Justin's favorite part, fun facts. Fun, fun facts. We This will take approximately 47 minutes, so buckle right. up. <laughs> I'm excited. Cozy <laughs> oh, new like, chair here. Did you get a new chair? Mm-hmm. You asshole. I'm jealous. Just, I've had I've had this chair for like three and a half years, and I, I, I need to get a new nice. one. I just... I, it looks cool, but I I can't afford to get a new chair. I can't. I just don't want to pay for it. Sure. Um, so during a post-production party when the filming had ended, Doug Bradley was dismayed to be ignored by the other members of the crew. He thought that he had gotten on, um, had gotten on rather well with the cast and crew, and it wasn't until later that he realized that none of the cast and crew had actually seen him without his makeup. Huh. And so they didn't recognize him. They had no idea who he was. He's like, guys, it's me. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I craft don't services. The... <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, so which one? Da, 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 da. So many viewers have commented about the poor quality of effects at the end of the movie, Clyde Barker explained that due to a very limited budget, there is no money left to have the effects done professionally after primary filming. Instead, Barker and a Greek guy, in quotes, uh, animated these scenes by hand over a single weekend. Barker has also commented that he thinks that the effects turned out uh, very well considering the amount of alcohol the two consumed that weekend. Fair. Um, I mean, for 80s horror effects, they're pretty much on par. I mean... It's not bad. Hmm. Um, the film was originally supposed to be called The Hellbound Heart after the novella which it is based. The studio decided that the title sounded too much like a, a romance and asked Clyde Barker to change it. He then offered Sadomasochist from Beyond the Grave, which was also rejected for the overtly sexual content. It's too long. It is, yeah. He ultimately opened the floor to the production team to offer up their own suggestions, prompting a 60-year-old female crew member to offer up what women will do for a good fuck. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it's not wrong. Julia's just, <laughs> she's obsessed with Frank. He yeah, pounded her into. Even though he's the biggest piece of shit on the planet. He, he really is, but she was just <laughs> over the moon for this guy. That's usually the way it goes. Mm-hmm. It's always the jerks. Mm -hmm. So the butter, uh, the butterball and chatterer Cenobite had dialogue in the original script. However, when the makeup... Um, however, their makeup made coherent speech impossible. Their lines were given to the female Cenobite and especially Pinhead, which helped cement his reputation as the film's trademark character. That's what I was thinking as I was watching this. It's like, well, no wonder Pinhead stands out. I mean, one, he is the coolest looking one. Mm -hmm. 
But aside from a couple lines from the female one, he's the only one that talked. Yeah. Like... <laughs> it's true. And his voice is amazing, obviously, but it... It's up there with Tony Todd's. Like, the way that they do yeah. his... I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, it just... <laughs> it stands out. Um, so, Doug Bradley was initially offered a choice between roles for the film. One being one of the mattress movers and the other the lead Cenobite. He originally thought it important that as a new film actor, the audience should be able to see his face and nearly turned it down. Hmm. But I mean, he's, that's what he's known for. Like, I don't like you, you be like, Hey, that's always the way it works. Yeah. Like what else have you done? Doug Bradley couldn't tell you a single other thing. Um, well, you keep going. I'll see if I can find something. Well, and that was the thing too, though, is like later on, like when they start to kind of talk about the backstory about who he was and all that, um, they did give Doug Bradley um, clips in the movies where it showed him in his human form. Yeah, I heard where, about that. Um, so when Clyde Barker showed his uh, film, showed the film to his mother, she cried tears of joy upon seeing her son's name in the opening credits. He leaned over and whispered, that would be the happiest she'd be for the next two hours. <laughs> um, Around an hour and 22 minutes in, Andrew Robinson, who was Larry, convinced Clive Barker to replace the scripted line, fuck you, with the line actually shot when he said, Jesus wept. Which I think, which I agree is much, much more effective. Mm -hmm. Um, Claire Higgins, Julia hates horror movies. She was so freaked out she left after 10 minutes. Yeah, a whole lot of nothing I've ever heard of. And some Star Wars games. Oh. Um, Doug Bradley's character was named Priest in the earliest drafts of the script and ultimately became lead Cenobite. Uh, Pinhead originated as a nickname for the character. It stuck and began being used in sequels. Director Clyde Barker hated the name, finding it undignified. That's what it was. Um, and in his Hellraiser comic series produced for Boom in 2011, had um. characters referred to Pinhead as Priest. He also maintains that the character has a true Cenobite name that he intends to reveal in a forthcoming work. Simi- similarly to the female Cenobite was designated Deep Throat on set, uh, though the overtly sexual nature of the moniker led to her simply being billed as female Cenobite again in the sequel. Yeah, sure. makes sense. Like, yeah. like, hi, this is a uh, deep throat. You're like, fuck. I'm kind of surprised, given the nature of things, that they didn't end up going with that. But I, again, I think if it was made now, they would. Yeah. Whereas in the 80s and 90s, you couldn't get away with that. Um, the concept of the cube being used as a portal to hell has its basis in the urban legend of the Devil's Toy Box, which concerns a six-sided cube constructed of inward-facing mirrors. Um, according to legend, individuals who enter the structure and then close it will undergo surreal, disturbing phenomenon that will simultaneously grant them a revelatory experience and permanently warp their mind. How fun. Hmm. Um, it took six, yeah, it took six hours to apply the prosthetic Cenobite makeup on Doug Bradley. And because of his eventual skill at application removal of the Uh, pinhead appliances and costume Doug Bradley has been credited in some of the Hellraiser films as an assistant makeup artist wow um 
The term Cenobite is a word meaning a member of a communal religious order. The Hellbound Heart uh, specifies that they are members of the Order of the Gash. The text also refers to them as Hierophants. Um, During uh, rehearsals, Clyde Barker told Doug Bradley, who at the time was more used to working in theater, to subdue his movements and gestures in order to give Pinhead an aura of complete control. I could see that, like you're used yeah. to, like, you know, stage Waving acting and yeah, th- <laughs> yeah, theater. You know, being much more expressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that he just kind of stood there and looked fucking dominant. Like um, yeah. So that's really about it. Sean Chapman's entire da- a dialogue was dubbed by another actor. That's like what they did really? to David Prowse. <laughs> you're like, hey, yeah. you don't really sound like Darth Vader, so let's get James Earl Jones. Yeah, they did that in a lot of uh, Bond movies too, like oh, uh, Goldfinger. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he's his entire role is dubbed. <laughs> oh man, um, so the female Cenobite. Uh, this will be the last one, then we'll move on. Uh, the female Cenobite was inspired by scarification and body piercing in the National Geographic articles. The makeup took three hours to apply caused her discomfort and prevented Grace Kirby from sitting. When Kirby refused to return uh, ref- refused to return, Barbie Wilde took over the role. Wilde speculated that the producers were interested in her because of her background in mime, which was commonly believed in the industry to help performing under prosthetic makeup. Uh, that does suck, though. Just being like, ah, man, could you imagine not wanting to come back because of how shitty that was. This kind of doesn't surprise me. I was kind of scrolling through and looking. Um, Character actor Lance Henriksen was offered the role of Frank by New World Pictures, but he turned it down fearing that if successful, he would have to appear in a series of sequels, which he wasn't keen on. Um, Later, Henriksen would go on to appear in one of the Hellraiser sequels, Hellraiser, Hellworld, 2005. (laughs) So probably one of the worst ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember that one. Um, I'm not speaking from experience, but given that it was made in 2005 and mm-hmm. is called Hell World, it's probably yeah. pretty bad. Um, when I know I lied. When Doug Bradley first donned the pinhead makeup, he spent a few minutes alone in his room getting into character by looking at himself in the mirror. Could you imagine, though, just like getting done up like that and you're standing there looking at yourself, you're like, fuck, I look rad. Murder. Just hear that coming out of Justin's trailer. Murder. Uh, the flesh the murder train. <laughs> the flesh exposed on Pinhead's chest was redesigned as a rhombus in order of uh, Pinhead's master, the fictional character Leviathan. It was the film debut of Ashley Lawrence. Which let's talk about Ashley Lawrence for a minute. She, I like the last thing I wrote is she's kind of an underrated final girl. If you think about it, you don't think of Kirsty from Hellraiser when you're thinking about your Nancy's and your, um, your no, Laurie Strode. Again, this is like the second time I've watched this movie in my life. So, right. It's not as popular, but like she, she does a good job kind of Nancy esque, but like, she's a, she's a fighter. Like towards the end, you know, she's out there. Ah, 
out, you know, like going yeah, up she against definitely the... has her moments. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's it obviously I mean Hellraiser's up there when people think about it, but like I don't know. You don't hear about Kirstie as much. Well, it said I would, might have been tuning out or <laughs> trying to fix my chair right now. But mm-hmm. um does, does she ever come back? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's one of the things like that'll help that helps a Sydney Prescott or a Nancy. That's true. That you know when they have repeat performances and again Hellraiser, while it's one of those movies that's everybody seems to kind of know, mm-hmm. it's still not huge. Yeah, I could. Yeah, that's true. So Ashley Lawrence, who she was in Hellraiser one. Hellraiser 2, I could have swore that she came back for other ones. She was in Hellraiser Hellseeker in 2002. Um, she was in Hellraiser. Yeah, she was in Hellraiser 1, 2, and 3. And then she was in Hellraiser Hellseeker. Um, and then she's she's done more than Nancy then that's interesting and she's actually she plays uh, Brenda in a segment of Creepshow of this year on um, Shudder yeah Hmm. so I still haven't watched it I haven't either I would like to I need to I I own season one I just haven't actually watched it right so Let's dive into my pathetic notes. Was there anything about this movie that stood out to you that you feel like you want to talk about? Because I'm not gonna, we're not gonna go on too long about the actual movie itself because it's yeah. it's pretty basic in nature. Like there's nothing insane that like it's not like Halloween in the score or you know like there's not. A whole lot. I mean, there's a little bit of buildup, but not really. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, it, it is fairly straightforward, but I think that's watching it with somewhat new perspective yesterday was interesting because, again, like I said, when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, Hellraiser's going to be the Michael Myers, the Jason." But knowing after listening to that other podcast and just mm-hmm. you know, kind of clear head, it was like, "Okay, so this is just a much different kind of." of horror franchise and really had the potential to go some places because the way they bookend it with Frank buying the box and wherever he buys the box, I don't remember. And mm-hmm. then the whole thing plays out. The Asian marketplace. Get, yeah. And then you see the homeless guy, which is weird. Turned into a fucking Big, skeletal pterodactyl dragon. thing. Yeah. And <laughs> then he flies off with it as odd and dumb as that kind of is. Mm-hmm. Then it ends with some other poor sap buying the box, right? That uh, that's the that's probably the thing that I I like the most about it is how it circled back around to that. Yeah, and it seems like such an interesting idea of like this could be the ultimate anthology series of different people <laughs> getting a hold of that box and different stories, wacky yeah. shit happening. Like, I could see them, like, if they do a, a series on the show, like, I could see them doing that where each season is a different 
character arc or, you know, yeah. you depending could easily on, do that. Depending on how long you wanted to make the episodes. I, I don't know. I mean, they'd, they'd have to cut out a lot of filler, but I mean, this movie was an hour and a half. If you were to mm-hmm. make it hour long episodes, like true 58, 59 minute episodes, like yeah. you could probably breeze through it, you know, maybe make two parters, whatever. But I feel like I, that's a good idea. I, I, I like that. Well, and depending on how deep you want to go, I mean, you could do several episodes just on the buildup of Frank. Like, there's yeah. a lot more to that creepy a-hole than they <laughs> really get into, and the fact that he has such a hold on Julia, and obviously he's done much worse things to other people throughout his life. But it, it's just an interesting concept of... Because even when uh, Kirsty just, like, messes with the, the box, she mm-hmm. wasn't even trying to do anything or be as creepy as Frank. She just, like, found it and was like, what's this stupid thing? It's like a weird-looking, you know, Rubik's Cube. Yeah. They try and take her. Yeah, they do. Which and that's seemed a bit much, but... Yeah, because she's like, hey, I'll, I'll fucking take you to him. But see, yeah, the thing... Yeah, like, I was just looking at this stupid thing. I didn't know this would happen. Otherwise, I would have left it on the fucking street. Like, yeah. I don't want this thing. They definitely gave Uncle Frank... Real creepy uncle vibes as well. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I really hope he wasn't as pervy as the way it came off. He could have been. I feel like he was. I do too. Um, I also don't understand why he took his brother's face at the end. I thought he was rebuilding himself. Um, I honestly wonder if it was in attempts to either fuck with Kirsty or to I don't know yeah um, it doesn't make sense because I mean the whole thing is Julia doesn't like her husband because he's kind of a douche but actually he's just like a normal person yeah that's what most of my notes are man is it's like I felt like I was nitpicking the movie Hmm. more than I was actually taking notes of it because so I had written down that they open on Frank buying the box um, and that the thing that stood out to me is at least he washed his hands after he got the box and was sitting upstairs in the attic before opening it. Because like when he's looking at it and it's like, all right, dude, you look, you look grimy and gross. I get it. <laughs> um, and so there's just a lot of weird things happening in this movie. Um, like, the house is super gross when they move in. Like, Larry's yeah. just... And doesn't change much. Like, when he's asking Julia, like, he excited for the house? He's like, I wouldn't be. No. I'm <laughs> like, because I'm going to have like, to fucking clean this. Yeah, it's not even like, oh, this has a lot of potential if it was taken care of. It's like, no, you would just strip this thing down mm-hmm. and build a new house. Yeah. The upside just... would be the location, which also mm-hmm. doesn't seem very good. No, it looks like it's outside of a fucking shipping dock. <laughs> <laughs> like it looks like there's like it's like a port or Many something like that. Many have died in the front lawn just it, out of happenstance. Yeah, it's a very industrial looking neighborhood. Like, yeah. was, are we in Tacoma? Like, where, where are we? At? What's going on here? Um, but it, it made me laugh though because I'm like, okay, this house is gross. But like, when Julia puts her cigarette out on the floor, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, I get it, but that's a little excessive. Like. Well, and she is just it's a biatch she is from a, the beginning. Yeah. There's no point in this movie except for maybe... What's the husband's name? Larry. 
Larry. There's no point in which I don't want her to have something horrible happen to her, except for the two seconds she didn't want Frank to kill Larry. Yeah. Which ended up kind of changing by the end of it. So, you think about it, like, it's so, like, it's super obvious, like, uh, between Julie and Frank. Mm -hmm. But I also, like... If she's that unhappy being married to Larry, like she was even like excited esque. Uh, she like the attention she got from the movers, like you know, they would yeah. look at her and she'd kind of look back at them. And it's like, good God, you want to be single, be single, like right. don't move Did they in not with have your divorce husband. in the late 80s. Yeah, like what are you doing? And like the thing that like killed me though, I was like, is when she they show her and Frank banging it out upstairs on her wedding dress. And I'm just like, yeah. God. Like, yeah, Larry's just kind of like this naive, clueless, just there but not really, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, and he, I mean, he has a bit of a douchey side to him. I could see, you know, I, not necessarily just because he's boring, but just, you know, he, he definitely does have something of a, a jerky streak to him. No. Yeah. There, there's something about some of his deliveries, especially like at the dinner and whatnot, where it's like, okay, maybe he's not the greatest guy, but Frank is an a-hole. Yeah. Like, <laughs> through and through. Like, yeah. nobody's perfect. No. And, but Frank is just the biggest sleazeball you could right. possibly want to be with. And the thing, like, like, I don't get it. Like, she doesn't love him, and she says that she doesn't love him, but she cares enough that she, like she said, doesn't want him to kill Larry but like, I just, it's like, she's like, I love you just enough to protect you, but not enough to actually like be with you. And it's like, well, why did you marry this guy? You didn't have to move in with him. Nobody's forcing you to be there, you know, like. Well, and it's almost because it's her, Kirsty is her daughter, yeah? No, it's Larry, Larry's no. her dad and uh, Julia is the mother-in-law. Okay. Um, yeah, stepmother? Stepmother. That's, yeah. Derp. Yeah. Um, okay, so, that makes more sense because just like she's super cold to her too. Mm -hmm. And if they're buying such a skis ball house that you know it was in the family and shit, I get that and all. But it's like, is, is Larry just super rich? Because it sure doesn't seem like it. It doesn't. But it's also like, why would she stick around? Like That's there's what I'm something saying. there. Like there's. It's not the. It's not the fucking. No. It's not. It's not the family atmosphere. No, like, it's not even her kid. No, like what? Like I, yeah, you're it's right. Not I don't, rich. I don't. Um. Other than maybe Frank wouldn't settle down with her, so she's just staying with Larry to have access. Yeah, maybe? that's true. I mean, being with Larry, yeah, Larry's kind of the safe and you know reliable bet. Frank, yeah. maybe not so much, but, um, so like as the movie goes on, you do, you know, you see that Frank needs more bodies to drain, mm -hmm. to, you know, become whole again, yeah. which like, which that are scene, awesome effects by the way. Yeah. Coming out of the floor and I'm like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Super gross and creepy. Um, Just the, it, it, and it's, what's so strange because it's like, it looks better than some effects we've seen now, mm -hmm. but then you have the human spider thing 
Yeah. And it's and then the you know the super cheesy drawn in light beams when they're all being you know shoot <laughs> yeah, away. The yeah. Yeah. The old yeah. school nightmare like, on Elm Street lines for when something. It's you know, like John Madden's out there on. drawing out a pump. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> um, and so that's basically like the movie, man. Like it's that, yeah. and then Julia's she. She misses Frank's loving so much that she's willing to kill to five people. Yeah. Including her current husband. Yeah. And um, then she dies too. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that was the thing too, like she uh is standing there holding Kirsty and then Frank's, you know, walking up with his goddamn switchblade. Never mm-hmm. leaves home without it. Who does? And then, like, goes to fucking stab her, and of course, Kiersey's gonna move, and then gets, yeah. you know, <laughs> he's like, it's like uh, tenacious D in the pick of destiny. He's like, come here, so I can fucking stab you. And he's like, no, <laughs> I'm good, thanks. <laughs> I'm good, thanks. Um, but then, yeah, so he he shanks uh, Julia, and then proceeds to drain the life out of her. He's like, well, it's already done. So. Yeah, he's all fuck it. He's, you know, he's like, whatever. Just, just sh- how big a piece of shit he truly is. Right. Well, it's and like then, he was like, oh, well, I guess I can take the younger model and have Kirsty. Yeah. He's obviously not having it. But, yeah, you know, not at he'll all. He'll take his swing, I guess. She's super, res- like, resilient, too. Like, she's definitely not having it at all. At all. Like, feisty, fighty. She's like, no, get, you know, fuck off. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, so once it starts, that starts to happen, though, and Kirsty goes to the house and sees julia leading these dudes inside the house like it just snowballs and then we get to the excuse me um ending the one thing that i did write down that i didn't understand is how kirsty didn't notice any of the gore around frank's head like he's like you can tell yeah like i thought does, of that too it does look like a mask like he's got blood mm-hmm. everywhere like it's not super noticeable but it's along you know the, the lines, lines of the face it's on his shirt like yeah i, th- I thought that too i was like right i mean right next to his head yeah yeah i don't i mean it's it. kind of dark in there and he you know they play it off like oh i was in a struggle and i had to flay your uncle mm-hmm. yeah but so, I mean, you could get some of the blood, but it's, like, perfect aligned around the face. Right, and it kind of looks like it was welded on, like... <laughs> See, the the cool part of that, though, is just showing how not whole he is when she scratches him in the face and, like, tears yeah, part that of his cheek cool. off. I'm like, fuck yeah. Um, I think that's the saving grace of this thing. If If the effects of Frank rebuilding himself or when he's, you know, just a meat bag and a suit and you know some of that stuff if that had looked dumb mm-hmm. i think this movie would not hold up or be very good he's like this is horse shit well yeah i mean it's just it's that much harder to buy into and you would look at it and go this is just strange and dumb and oh man now there's a skin monster spider thing and that's even worse right. but it looks so good and i think it is hard to talk about this movie because it's almost an experience because yeah. there's not a lot going on, but there's a mood to it and a style to it that makes it interesting and engaging. I agree. I do agree. Um, 
one of like I don't have a whole lot more notes um, left. The one thing that, and I had to alter my note as I was writing it because, so at the end when Frank is chasing Kirstie through the house and she's hiding in the room and she manages to keep her cool when the body falls out and then all the maggots come out of the mouth all over her and on her hand and like yeah that was gross yeah yeah (laughs) and then she you know she gets up she gets out and then frank was hiding in that room where penhead and the cenobites were just at waiting for somebody to be in there and then I was thinking to myself, I'm like, what the fuck? Okay. So I wrote down, I said, Frank was hiding in the rooms where they were at waiting for him. And I'm like, why did they just let him walk out? But the thankfully, the next line that, like, when they go in there and the female Cenobite said, you know, we had to hear that it was you from your own lips. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes it so much cooler. Like, yeah, yeah you, I thought for a second there that it was just a, a different room. Like mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, I because I had that same thought. I was like, well, you were just in that room. Why didn't Pinhead yeah. and the others just grab you and shit? Yeah. So I just assumed that it was a different room that he was in, and mm-hmm. then went out of, and then they went into the correct room. But that does make a lot more sense. That yeah, it was like, well, yeah, we saw him, but we aren't just going to immediately take him. We need to know for sure that this is the guy that tried to escape us. Yeah, and saying that, you know, we had to hear it from your lips. I was like, fuck mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Um, so, just the hooks. Like, the first mm-hmm. hook, all right, it gets it. The second hook that gets the other hand hooks, like, into this little meaty part of the palm. And I'm mm-hmm. like, ah. Oh! <laughs> Ow, like it's one thing getting it in other spots but like this little chunky part of the hand right here i'm like fuck dude like and then to be fair out. there's no good spot to get hooked in the hand no, there's i feel not. like it would all hurt it would all hurt. yes it would but like you know given that i've stabbed myself in the finger with like a nail or a push pin and mm. i've stabbed myself and like this part hurts more than that part not that i'm saying that like in the grand scheme of getting hooked up matters there's a a bright side but yeah there (laughs) there were spots there's the above arm and then there's the below the arm uh, (laughs) yeah i'd rather get above arm than below arm like oh just by the ribs but see the thing that like frank was creepy to the end like Mm -hmm. when he's all like hooked up and being stretched out and his face was like that and there you know and he is looking at her and he licks his lips and he's all yeah that was strange it, that yeah. was I, I did find that I don't know if it was anybody but Frank I would go that didn't seem right but the guy was skeevy to the max and the point of the box from mm-hmm. what I gather is those that are into the rough stuff and you have that pleasure pain gross shit it's just so much to the max that you literally die mm-hmm. or are just flat out tortured forever I'm not really sure which. A little of both, I guess. Could be, yeah. But, yeah. I I think it's almost Uh. a testament to how well that actor embodied Frank. Yeah. Even though it technically wasn't the guy who is Frank. Right. Actor-wise. And I heard that that guy is a villain in something else. 
Um, well, I, I don't mean, remember what it was, but I'll I'll take a look real quick. But see, and the 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 funny thing is also if you think about it, um, three there was three different. His name's Andrew Robinson. He just has that villainous face, though. Also, yeah. So he was in Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. He was in Child's Play three. That'd do it. Uh, right. He, see if there's anything else noticeable. He's on X-Files for a little bit. Um, he's on the show Wings. Weird. Love Uh, Wings. Right. He's on Law and Order. Sergeant Botnet something on. Yeah, but, um, so, yeah, he's in Cobra. I'm not seeing anything that would be villainous. He's done a lot of TV. Um, but he does. He has that face. But the thing about that, those three, there were three different people playing one person. So you had Sean Chapman, who was Frank. Then you had Oliver St- Smith, I think is what the name was, something like that, who was Monster Frank, you know, who spent the yeah. majority of Frank. And then you had... Um, you had this guy playing Frank at the end, and then technically you had somebody who dubbed Frank's voice. So like, like this guy had all these different, you know, facets of just multiple people playing him. Um, but yeah, dude, just creeped out to the max. Jesus wept, gets shredded, and like, uh, I don't like. Maybe he wasn't scared the second time because he's like, fuck it. I've been through this once before already. But, you know, like... Oh, it was, he was the killer in Dirty Harry. Yeah, well, I see. Yeah, and that that's, was the thing, that's... too, is I didn't think that that's where you were going to go with that. And so that's why, like, your list of movies, Dirty Harry doesn't strike me as one of them. That's why I was like... I actually <laughs> just watched it over the past year for the first time. Really? I made a point. Well, I made a point of watching a bunch of old classics and... Mm-hmm. Uh, Oh, that that's right. That I, I do remember that. I do remember yeah. that. Um, but yeah, that's essentially Pinhead in a configuration box. Like, mm-hmm. ooh. Uh, you like that? Um, yeah, that's fine. I do I do like this movie more. Yeah. Um, I, th- I, I want to like it more than I do, though. Like, yeah, I feel it like has the potential, such a following. It does. And it's... It is good. It's a solid film. I think, I think what lets it down for me is knowing that none of the sequels would will be as good. Mm-hmm. So it's like I want to see more of this, but I know I never will on purpose. Yeah, unless I think you, you sh- make me again. I think like I might sh- watch two. Yeah, watch two. I don't think three. I don't think three is horrible. It's a little like you can tell that like it's definitely on the downward trend. Yeah. But it's I think three is the last of the eighties versions of Hellraiser, and then I think well, yeah, this if was I, what eighty seven. So well, yeah. there's only so much eighties to play with after that. No, <laughs> <laughs> there's not you smartass. Um, so Hellraiser had 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 come out in eighty seven. Hellraiser two came out in eighty eight, and then Hell. And then Hellraiser 3 came out in 92. Oh, wow. Hellworld was... Oh, I'm sorry. Bloodline was 96. Inferno 
is 2000. And I think Inferno might be the one that I was thinking of earlier. Yeah, because it had Craig Sheffer, who was also in uh, Nightbreed. Um, he, he just has that face. Like, if you saw him, you'd recognize him. He, um... Yeah, kind of. B- it's not coming angles. through super great. Bad clear, angles. When um, I saw, I think, um, Hellraiser is, Doug Bradley is in, uh, that as well. What's that? Yeah, Doug Bradley's in this one. Yeah. Um, but it also has Nicholas Turturro. Um, it's got James Remar. Like, okay. it's got... It's got a decent cast. Um, that one's 2000. 2005 is Hellworld. Um, and then you have Judgment in 2018. But there's That's other crazy. ones, and I think that might... Huh? It's it's impressive that they're still doing sequels. I will give it that. I mean, it's yeah. almost literally as old as I am. And they're still popping out direct sequels to the original without, you know, starting over. It's kind right. of impressive in its way. Yep. Okay, so Bloodline Inferno. Okay, so Hellseeker is 2006. <laughs> Hellraiser Debtor, 2005. Hellraiser mm. Hellworld, 2005. And then Hellraiser Revelations. They did two, two in one year? Yes, they did. Gross. Hellraiser Revelations, 2011, which is the one that um, had like the great value version. And mm. then Hellraiser Judgment was 2018. That one was not horrible but it did have a different person playing um pinhead yeah paul t taylor but heather langenkamp was in that movie also yeah she played the landlady sure but so the the movie had a budget of three hundred fifty thousand, and box office was four hundred twenty six thousand. so that's probably why we haven't had a hellraiser in about three years sure yeah. That and other stuff. I say reboot it. <laughs> yeah. Give it a Start solid, solid reboot. Get, get Clyde Barker back and do it right. Yeah. Um. So the thing about Paul T. Taylor playing Pinhead in this one, and I will I'll take a picture of it and send it to you, opposed to trying to um, show you through the, <laughs> the camera again. Fair. Um. It's not horrible, but it's just, it's so hard seeing somebody else do the makeup because it's like, you can make them look as cool as you want, but it'll never be the same. Yeah, I mean, it's the presence, it's that voice. You know, I am a Jackie Earl Haley booster. I know you are, 100% are. But, you know, there is something to be said of the fact that you will never outdo robert england no and i will give him credit as well that he didn't try to like he did his own thing which is really all you can do Um, and that's the thing and that's what's tough with these psychos that are you see their face and you mm -hmm. hear them talk you know that's the beauty of a a michael and a jason is it could be literally anybody like i don't know a single person except for, like, Tyler Maine, their name of who was actually Michael. I know you do because that's your thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I could tell you if you want, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, and then same with Jason. Like, I know Kane Hodder because he did the most of them. And mm-hmm. then um, I'm even blanking on his name, the guy that did the Derek last Mears. one. Derek Mears. Who was also Swamp Thing and did great with that. Yeah, he 
he was great as as Jason. Like, yeah, he was. He's probably my favorite one. Sorry, Hotter, but he he was just great. It's just a well, and this is Cotter, uh, Cotter, Kane Hotter <laughs> as Jason was the it was more of a presence thing with him. He was so yeah. hulking and brooding, and mm-hmm. he looked physically intimidating, even though he's not as big as Derek Mears. Yeah, like he just looked like a walking tank. Yeah. But like with Derek Mears, there's a creepy factor because he's just so big, mm-hmm. like large, but he's also incredibly fast, incredibly strong. And like, I I still would have loved to see uh, another sequel, like to see him do, you know, another, another outing. Maybe one day we will. But, you know, but that's thing, like with a pinhead, you have to get someone who fits the physique of uh-huh. Doug Bradley and that voice. And it's almost a shame, like, I assume Bradley's still doing stuff. He's still alive. He said so on IMDb anyway. Yeah. Like, why you wouldn't get him unless he flat out said no. Well, and that's the it, thing, it, too. It's always the trouble. Like, Doug Bradley, he he's 66 years old. Um, it looks like the last time he did, like the last Hellraiser was 2005. But I mean, it looks like he's done, like most of the stuff he's done is all Clive Barker stuff. That like sense. looking through his, like it's not surprising, right? Like he, um, a lot of Clive Barker stuff. He was in Wrong Turn. Um, yeah, so he was in Nightbreed. Wrong Turn 5. Yeah, Nightbreed's going to have to be one we do somewhat soon, too, because uh, you want to talk about cult following. That's That one's got one. <laughs> That's what I've heard. I've never seen it, so it'll I've be... I've seen uh, it a few times. Um, I'd love to sit down and watch it and, like, take notes and, like, hmm. it's been a minute. Um, maybe in may- the future. Maybe in the future. Maybe if somebody wants to request it and we end up watching it sooner rather than later. I mean, we got to give a little... Well, this is this, well. This is the second Barker we've done, so it doesn't. Yeah, necessarily... but our first one was episode three. So yeah, there's been a bit of space. Forty nine episodes. <laughs> the forty nine. What that would? Uh, yeah. Oh, shit. No, I was Something trying to like think. That. It's. I was trying to do math in my head. Forty nine episodes was actually more like what eighty eight weeks of actual time. Ninety eight weeks. Ninety eight weeks. Like that's a. It's a whole lot of space between Barkers there. Um, Almost. Two years, as Almost in years. season three. <laughs> <laughs> See, if you guys haven't figured out by now, Justin is very adamant. Is adamant I don't know the what word? the rest of your sentence is going to be, so I don't want to pitch you any words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I want to help you out. Yeah. Um, persistent. Um, Handsome, debonair. Roguish. <laughs> No, no. You're like devilishly handsome. <laughs> All right, we're going off the rails again. Um All right. but yeah, Did you do a that... scorecard for this? Let's, uh, yeah, let's I did. circle back to the main topic here. Let's circle back. Circle the wagons. So what is your best kill or uh, scare? I honestly I I really think that it could be either version of Frank just getting ripped to shreds. Like it's like how yeah. how is it not like I, I went with something a little different. I can't wait to hear what it is. 
I went with more of a scare, and it was uh, the Cenobites visiting Christy at the hospital, and that will tear your soul apart uh, line. Yes, dude. The Oh, man. That line, the way he said it, and I, I don't know if his voice was synthesized or if they added anything to it or if he can just really get that tone. It's kind of like the same thing with Tony Todd. Like, if you yeah. hear him talk normal, like, you can hear it, but it... He doesn't like drop it's it. It's not the natural voice. You have to yeah. like, actually burr. Yeah, like, and it's so goddamn good. Yeah, but the it's will just, tear your soul apart. Like, ah, fuck. And that's what what ended up kind of winning me over at this movie is that there are moments that are actually quite scary. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was watching this on a, on a Saturday morning, eating my Lucky Charms, but it was still <laughs> You're like such a kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, but it was like it's just actually a disturbing movie. It's not very much overtly so. exciting. Yeah. But it's interesting, and like I said earlier, there's a mood to it that is just creepy as all get out. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, most wanted to die. I really feel like it, it can't be really anybody else other than Julia. Yeah, that's what I picked. Cause, I mean, it's almost could, a cop out, but she she's so horrible. I didn't, I forgot well, that she died. Yeah. So it was you know kind of wishful thinking, because I wrote it down like right away. But from that like, opening scene, she's horrible. Yeah, I feel like Frank is even more so because like it, I mean Julia, nah, yeah, it was really hard to not pick Julia. Yeah. Um, most wanted to live. I'm going to have to say Larry because mm. even though he is kind of what's the word I want to use he's I don't want to say aloof but he's kind of just the dimwit dad that's there but there could be a little darkness to him but he's just kind of like just trying to do what he can for his family and mm-hmm. gets fucking lured and murdered in the attic so that's fair i went with uh kirsty because she was the one that was more on top of things i didn't well, necessarily know that she was going to survive but right yeah i get that and that's kind of why like i didn't pick kirsty just because she was the final girl yeah um even but, though she didn't have she like she was a final girl, but didn't really feel like a final girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. At the same time, like she didn't, she was more fighting the engineer S character than she actually was pinhead. Mm-hmm. Like trying to get the box off the ground, which is kind of like, <laughs> like playing soccer. Dumb looking. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So grossest moment. I, hate to do this because it's very similar to the last one, but the grossest moment has to be Frank coming out of the ground. Yeah, that's what I went with too. <laughs> God damn it. And, uh, but it's the sound effects. It was the same thing that I did with Van Helsing and the grossest moment was the baby sack sound effect. Dude, was just the <laughs> fucking goopy Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all that. It was just gross. That's fair. Well, it looked the best. I mean, the the tearing apart at the end was cool and a little, you know, gave me some Saw vibes because I'm a Saw guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was quick and not really that 
interesting in the grand scheme of things. That initial rising and, you know, his reformation, albeit a little stop-motion-y, yeah. is very detailed. And it looks really good for something that was made in 1987. I agree. Because that was a long time ago. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was I even was, longer ago. When I was uh, <laughs> four years born. old. Yeah, four years old <laughs> not watching this movie. I couldn't imagine. Like, like, so my daughter, she's like, Dad, can I watch this? I'm like, absolutely not. Get the F out. Yeah. Like, I won't wa- let my daughter watch a lot of things. Hellraiser is definitely not one of them. Like For many reasons. Oh, many reasons. Like, <laughs> it's one thing to be like, oh, hey, it's uh, Friday the 13th Part 1. Yeah. It's not... Probably still not the best parenting. It's not... The, no, but... <laughs> but like a Halloween, it, Halloween there's no blood. I, and that was the thing. That I, I don't want to default everything to halloween but yes halloween it's not like it very two different things being like the most tamed r-rated horror movie there is really because after that friday the 13th came out and ramped up all the gross shit it did and then we get to you know saw on hostel oh my hellraiser yeah (laughs) um so the dumbest moment i don't there's a couple yeah, I honestly, and I, I, this is hard because I kind of waxed on several of them in the movie notes, mm-hmm. um, which I closed. <sighs> Give me yeah, yours. You... I'll try to see if I can find mine. I didn't write this one down. Sure. Uh, mine was the uh, Kirsty slow motion as she's uh, running down the street past the nuns, which was stupid for one. Oh, I must and have then dozed also, off during that part. <laughs> yeah, she's having the memories of frank and shit and it's basically just recapping what we just saw but in very dumb 80s slow motion i went this is just not necessary and then it it repeat it does a repeat line of it's frank 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 (laughs) it's like okay you got to have a montage (laughs) basically um so mine i will oh my god so the one for mine, I will. I think the thing that bugged me the most was probably the one that I complained about the most, and that's Kirsty being right next to her dad's head and not seeing any of anything going on on the side of his head. He had big old fucking gloopy shit going around. Like it, it wasn't as obvious as some of the other face masks being worn by people mm-hmm. that are wearing somebody else's face, but mm-hmm. I feel like I'd be like, oh, "The fuck's wrong with your head?" Yeah, <laughs> you know, if like nothing what's... else, like, "Wow, you're seriously wounded and bleeding." Yeah, are you okay? Holy shit! Yeah, but yeah. Um, so special category, we can talk about our favorite Cenobite. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you couldn't pick pinhead well that was my thing like the the immediate one was pinhead my second choice was the chatterer the chatterer i like i think i like the female one just because she was the next one with i guess dialogue the presence yeah like she kind of seemed to be almost the enforcer (laughs) you know what i mean like the right um, hand she may not have looked as cool like the whole like 
yeah. wire going through her cheeks and all that kind of stuff and her throat being ripped open. Mm-hmm. Um, visually, I'd probably go with the Chatterer second. That's what I went with because like but, Pinhead's the most striking, but the mm-hmm. Chatterer, to me, got kind of the second most presence because he was always there. Yeah. Like, yes. I mean, aye, 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 he, aye. he stood out the most. Yep. I got you. Um, so that's it. That well, is Hellraiser. You forgot our new t- uh, category here. Will your wife watch this with you? Mine was a big no. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's a big old fucking no. Like, as <laughs> I alluded to earlier, when she said gross and left. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And that's, I, I was kind of talking about it. Yeah, I, I started to as well. It's interesting because, I, like I said earlier, you know, I'd always pass these movies in the video store and go, oh man, that must be super cool and creepy and scary. Like, back in our day, and that's what I miss about having video stores. Is God these, damn it, I miss These movies stores. had such a presence and such a... I'm trying to think of the word I want. But, like, you knew Halloween was scary without ever actually seeing Halloween. Mm-hmm. Like, legacy's not the word I want. Reputation, maybe? Like, you could use that. You, you would see these and hear about these movies and see them at the video store, and it just, it it was what was so exciting, I think, for me uh, to get into horror is that they seemed like taboo and not quite, you know, something I shouldn't be watching, but I'm going to anyway. Right. It, it now, made it more exciting. Well, and that was the thing, too, like, like, just walking through the video store on, like, a Friday night and kind of being like, you're younger, you're not necessarily, like, you're walking through the horror movie sections, and, you know, like, obviously, the image on the front's supposed to kind of capture, like, capture you right away, like, being, mm-hmm. like, it's supposed to draw you in, and so, like, you're walking through, you're like, oh, my God, I bet that's scary. Yeah. Like, oh, well, my that's, God. Not, not to remember Jack Frost anymore, but that's why I wanted to watch that movie <laughs> for that episode, because I remembered that cover. It's a stupid cover, but that image of that creepy skull snowman has yeah. always been stuck in my head. And something that I always wanted to see someday. Now I wish I never had, but it it was one of those things. And Hellraiser was the same way. You see Pinhead on that cover and you go, oh my God, that's creepy. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Um, yeah, so that's Hellraiser. That is Hellraiser. We did it. We did it. And longer, like, we didn't really ramble. I don't think we rambled too bad. Uh, Fun facts were shorter than normal. We're still over over an hour and a half. Not bad. That's where we like to be. That is the sweetest of spots. Anybody (laughs) else uh, tuning in other than our good friend Jeremy? Yeah, we've had some people pop in and out. Um, I I was more messaging on here um, to let them know that I know they're there and thank you. But um, right. we would address them after the show. Um, well, thanks to everybody that did tune in. And like I said, this was kind of our uh, tester on purpose trial run. So when... You I have to. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, you, you can't not. It's like, hey, there's this little bit here. I, I uh-huh. got to throw it in your face. I'm, yeah. I have to. Right. I'll never not. I don't have any pies. <laughs> oh, um, yes, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but thank you for those of you that did tune in and 
if and when we do this in the future, uh, hit us up on the uh, social medias and stuff, which Brandon will spout out here in a minute, uh, mm-hmm. to find out when we're doing this next time. Well, yeah, so we, we talked about well. doing um, set recordings. It's going to be the same time all the time, barring life. But mm-hmm. life doesn't affect me on Tuesdays as much as it does on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And so sure. it shouldn't be hard to maintain that schedule. Um, but yeah, like you said, you can hit us up on the social medias. Um, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Um, we're on the Slasher app. If you don't have it, you should. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's like Facebook, but for horror. Um, you can email us, pondgorgemail.com. Um, all that good stuff. You can find us. Um, eventually, we might create a Twitch channel dedicated to the podcast if this seems to work, if people like it. Um, yeah. We'll create one dedicated to that. But as of right now, we're using mine, which is twitch.tv slash B underscore Diddy. Um, follow us on there. It's another great way to support it. Um, we kind of do like a... Well, we did a before and we'll probably do a little post, you know, chatter with people in in the chat room and all that kind of stuff before we get out. But um, before we do get out of here, let's talk about season two, three, two, three, (laughs) one, two, three. Yeah. Season three. uh, Very honored to have the inaugural episode of, of, season three so what's happening and why we're kind of making this an official end of a quote-unquote season which we've never done before even which though is season three is confused i'm not confused it just doesn't know. compute <laughs> fine uh we're gonna start doing companion episodes they're not gonna be super long in depth like these are um but we're gonna do fun side episodes that we'll record probably right after these mm-hmm. so like we'll do a hellraiser then we'll do a companion episode uh, what I'm picking to uh, kick this season off is a sequel, believe it or not, mm-hmm. in, in its own right. Uh, and it's our second edition of Pod and Gore, Do Treehouse of Horror. Yep. It's going to be Super awesome. Stoked. It's going to be awesome. And so this, the thing that I, if you've listened for a while, you know that I've been a very vocal about wanting to do more content, about wanting to do weekly things, put out more stuff for you guys to enjoy, knowing full well that it isn't always feasible, yeah. but I've wanted it. And so this is our way of doing, you know, putting out our normal content and adding bonuses, uh, going to YouTube, live streaming on Twitch. Like we want to we want to do more with you guys. And then we feel by doing that, we can live streaming is a great place where we can do Q and A's. We can hang out. I can do merch giveaways. Like there's so it opens the door for interaction and involvement from you guys. Like if you want a pod and gore shirt, we could do a giveaway. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, We have, we have, yeah, several, we have four different shirts with our, with our logos on them. Like, I'm trying to think of what the fourth one is. So you have the knives. Yeah. You have the creeper head. Mm-hmm. You have the I heart pardon gore and then the That's comic That's the book. one I forgot. Yeah, because I designed it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. 
<laughs> I don't um, have that one is why I forgot. I know. Um, but yeah, so that's like we can do stuff like that. Like it's yeah. it's all geared towards interaction. Like that's legit why we do this is as much as we like talking to each other about things that we love to talk about, like it's nothing without you guys. And so without rambling on too much more, we're um, we're going to start season three. It's going to be Treehouse of Horror. It's going to be awesome. Now, what what episodes are we doing? Thank you for asking that, Brandon. I was just about to try and interrupt you to tell you. Uh, so our first one we did... Uh, one, two, three, and four. Mm-hmm. In order to try and find some way to catch up to where Simpsons is at now, which is in the mid-30s almost, mm-hmm. we're going to keep doing four. So, uh, part two will be Trios of Horror 5, 6, 7, and 8. Uh, and they're I... all available on Disney Plus right now. They mm-hmm. have a special horror section now, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't have to go searching for them. You do have to hit back. In order to go to the next one, otherwise, oh, yeah, play yeah, yeah, yeah. the next season or episode in that season. <laughs> yeah, um, but they are all right there, easy to get to. Yeah, for those that didn't listen, if you didn't listen to the Treehouse of Horror debacle six months ago, <laughs> <laughs> it's there. Listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to thank you guys for hanging out with us as always. Like I said, you can find us on Facebook at Pod and Gore Podcast. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter at Gore underscore Pod. We're on the Slash Rap at Pod and Gore Podcast. Um, no spaces, underscores, um, pod and gore at gmail.com. You can email us as some have, you can message us through those like what Xander did for, the, um, Van Helsing message us through, uh, Instagram messenger. Like, yeah, and it we're does here. Work. Yeah, we're here. All you gotta do is reach out, let us know what you want to need and we'll get it going for you. Um, lots of things coming in the future. Um, Somewhat soon. Super excited. Can't wait to lay it all upon you. And until then, I have been your host, Brandon. And I have been Justin. And we'll see you guys in a few weeks with Treehouse of Horror. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.